All right, now, a silly question. You have a lot of chapters in this book, a lot of great pictures of people we all love. Uh, do you have a favorite a favorite chapter or some kind of story in this book that, that you really love, that really hits you hard? Well, there's so many, you know, but I, I would certainly say that my... Uh my mentoring by by the grand my I call him my godfather of show business uh, George Burns uh, took me under his wing when the preps opened for him and Carol Channing in Las Vegas uh, in the early sixties. Uh, he kind of adopted me, and from then on became a very dear friend and advisor. And just the nights that he would uh, after a show in Vegas, he'd invite me into his dressing room and insist on serving me a Coca Cola while he had his cocktail and smoked his cigar and. Would mentor me and coach me on uh, on show business, on, on comedy timing, on how to get your tuxedo to fit right, on all kinds of things. So all those moments shared with him, and then of course there were the same kind of moments with Ozzie Nelson, who was a, a great teacher of mine and became a very strong influence of mine. And then there's you know standing next to Ed Sullivan on the Ed Sullivan show and playing pranks on Dick Clark. So it's kind of hard, Bruce. That's a long answer, I realize, but there's so many moments that stand out that I was lucky enough to be part of that uh, hard to pick just one. Well, the book the book really expresses it. And it's as I said to you, I knew that it wasn't a year. My books took me a year of my life, each one I did. But this one, now I knew that there was something more involved with this book. But I didn't picture eight years. That's a long time. <laughs> You're keeping a journal for eight years. So that's yeah, exactly. really great. So where did you where did you guys meet? Let's talk about the four preps. But is this a, a college thing or a high school thing that started? Exactly, exactly. We all four of us went to Hollywood High, and by the time I got to Hollywood High, between uh, singing solos in my dad's church, my dad was a, a minister. Uh, from age four on and listening to Bing Crosby and Mills Brothers records and so forth. By the time I got to Hollywood High, uh, having moved out here from Chicago when I was 10, I was a full-blown starstruck showbiz crazy kid who wanted more than anything to, to be in a vocal group. And lo and behold, every year Hollywood High School would have a, a student talent show, and it got attended by all the talent scouts in town because Hollywood from Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland days on, had a lot of stars that went to school there, and so the talent scouts would come each year to the talent show. And in 1954, when I was a sophomore, uh, 35 girls <laughs> and not one guy showed up to audition for the show. So the school bulletin the next day said, come on, there's got to be some guys out there that could do something. So I went to Glenn Larson, who I'd known since grammar school, and I said, hey, man, let's get in on the action. We grabbed two guys in the school choir, we went home that night and learned Shaboom and auditioned the next day and got in the show and stole it with Shaboom. And as soon as uh, we did, Glenn said to me, wow, there's something going on here. Let's let's see what we can do. The other two guys that had sung with us in that first show were both uh, moving on, one to college and one to the military. So we went after our two prime candidates, uh, Ed Cobb, our bass, and Ma Ingram, our tenor, and the four preps were born uh, at Hollywood High in 1954. Mm. Now, where did you get the name, the uh, nickname, I guess, of the tag, America's Boy Band? Where would that come from? Well, I don't know. If somebody came up with that recently, I don't know that the expression boy band was being used uh was being used way back then, but looking back on it, of course, I guess effectively that's what we were. Uh, so, you know, uh, when Boys to Men and so forth, the Backstreet Boys all came along, uh, 
that expression became popular. My publisher said, well, you know, if you look at uh, factually, you guys were a boy band. You were all your teens. So I said, great, let's go with the title. As far as how we got our name, we were backstage for the talent show that day and couldn't think of a name of the group to be introduced. And there was a newspaper on a table nearby backstage, and it was open to the sports section, and the headline said, Preps sports results, meaning the high school scores, and that was it. That was, that became our name. Oh, preparatory. So it was. Oh, ah, now I got you. So the word is really preparatory school. Uh, yeah, th- th- exactly. That the- means high school student, at least in some parts of the world. <laughs> the four preps. I always thought that you know you guys were just always getting ready for something. Well, I never. I, I guess you still are. Do you mind if people still refer to you when you perform? As America's boy band? Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm a, I'm a, long, I'm a long way from being. We could make an America's geezer band. That might be more appropriate. Yes. Uh, the, yeah, that, that's a, I, that expression, as I say, probably wasn't around when we signed our contract, but we sure were around as youngsters, I'll tell you. So, so what was the big break, Bruce? When, when, well, when I happen? think the first big break, we, we sang all over Southern California after we graduated from Hollywood High. We were all in college and performing at sock hops and beach parties and so forth. And uh, we came to the attention of a wonderful man named Mel Shower, who was one of the most prominent personal managers in, in the entertainment industry. He happened at that time to manage a little record act you may have heard of called Les Paul and Mary Ford. I think so, I heard of them, yes, I think so. We had recorded a, a performance of a, da- a dance at UCLA, and somehow that tape got into his hands. He liked it a lot. Top 40 radio was getting hot. The teenage record market was exploding, and he knew Capital with artists like Nat Cole and so forth were looking around for somebody to appeal to that young teenage market, and along came the four of us, and... Uh, Next thing we know, we're going to our first meeting at the Capitol Tower. <laughs> well, you, you you have so many titles on your name. You know, it's like royalty. What are you? A singer, <laughs> an author, a producer, a director, an actor, an activist. So, where are you? What when you describe yourself to somebody you love uh, in their ear? What do you say? They'll say, "What are you? What are you?" Well, yeah, just don't call me. Call me whatever you have to watch. Just don't call me late for dinner. Um, shot. Uh, I was you hoping know, I, you didn't I, say that. I, I can't. <laughs> I, um, listen, I, uh, well, you know, that. But what can I tell you? I, I can't hold a job. <laughs> so I had to keep reinventing myself. I, you know, one reviewer recently called, read the book and called me the Forrest Gump of show business. Maybe that's it. I just got dropped <laughs> from the time I was a teenager delivering newspapers to movie stars like Lucille Ball and Jimmy Stewart to standing next to Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby on stage for a television special. I just got dropped in all these wonderful situations, and years later I thought, I better share this with people out there while I'm still around and can tell the stories. Mm-hmm. But, uh, are we doing, uh, is there any like concerts planned? You, I know you're still, you're still active, and, uh, very active. Obviously you have tremendous, tremendous, uh, you and I in a room alone, I think we'd, we'd, it'd explode with, with our energy. <laughs> where, where can we see you? You know, what, where, where are you going to be? Uh, well, you know, I, I when I first uh, started to write the book, I had wrote it ostensibly to do a one-man show, a touring one-man show, mm-hmm. which I was calling Bruce Bellin's Rackon Tour. And uh, 
that was the original purpose in the book. Now that it's out and COVID has come along and I've gotten older, I'm not sure how much uh, traveling I'll do around the country, but certainly throughout Southern California and the West Coast, I'm hoping to do some book signings and some one-man shows and so forth. So we will see. Unfortunately, uh, in terms of guys that get on stage and sing with, there's not many around anymore who are as old as I am, and uh, I can still do that. So we'll I see know. what develops, but I'm certainly anxious to get out in front of a crowd again. I miss it like crazy. I've done well, it my whole happen. life, you know. Uh, Bruce, it's going to happen. First of all, the book signing. The book signing is going to lead you to doing this concert. A one-man concert, I think, would be terrific, because you have so many stories, right? And it's still, the pipes are obviously still there. What, when did you guys start playing, you know, doing novelty? Uh, you did 26 Miles, which, by the way, I'm going to tell you a little secret that nobody had. This is very personal. So nobody else, listen, I'm just talking to Bruce alone. <laughs> Bruce, on my laptop, right? You know, I think yeah. it's called a screensaver. You don't know this, Ava. You, nobody knows this. My screensaver is Santa Catalina, right? Oh, I so love every it. day I when I turn this thing on, I push the button, there it is, and it lights <laughs> up and the sun comes out. What a gorgeous, gorgeous place. I assume you've been there. You better tell me you've been there. I'll, I'll be I'd very upset if you didn't tell me you've been there. Oh, no, listen, I've been there a lot. As I say, I just came back. My wife and I went over. There's a wonderful museum over there with a beautiful right. uh, dis display of about 26 miles. We just came back from there. Interestingly enough, Bruce, uh, when I wrote the song, I had never been to Catalina Island. Oh. But uh, until age 10, I grew up in Chicago, and in April, we'd go to the movie theater uh, when it was still snowing outside, and there'd be my four, my uh, beloved Chicago Cubs in shirt sleeves with palm trees in the background out in the sunshine while it's snowing here in Chicago playing baseball. And the announcer would say, here are our beloved Chicago Cubs playing ball on beautiful Catalina Island. And I'm 10 years old. I'm thinking, where is this place called Catalina? So I get out to, Ho to Hollywood. We move out when I'm 10, and I'm about 15 or 16 years of age. I'm at the beach one day. Somebody points Catalina out in the distance and says, there it is, off 26 miles from here. I picked up my ukulele, which was a definite chick magnet in those days. You know, the ukulele, that was a big deal. And I started to write the song. And a couple of years later, when we signed with Capitol, we're searching for a hit for a full year and didn't have one. We finally taught Capitol into letting us record our funny little song. And through a stroke of luck, a disc jockey uh, somewhere out there turned the record over because 26 Miles were very definitely the B-side of the song Capital was promoting. But, you know, you guys, i, I got to tell you, before I forget, and we get talking about other things, you guys that have kept the legacy and the music alive and our pop culture legacy, uh, we owe you guys everything. 